Seinfeld, the bookstore is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who would never, ever take a book into the bathroom about French Impressionist painting. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here is Akiva Winokur. Keeve, how are you? Two guys who hate reading, so they wouldn't bring anything into the bathroom to read. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the painting book was a weird call, I think, by George. I mean, he says in in Monks that it helps him, you, you know, go actually go to the bathroom. Like it, it's uh, you know, to him it was it's very soothing. So. Staring at the art, it, right? Yeah. So there was a purpose to it. It wasn't like he wanted to see the pictures necessarily. Are you a bathroom reader, Keeve? Uh, I think at this point it's a weird question, right? Because now everyone just brings their phone into the bathroom, right? Like ten years ago, this is a great question for people, right? You have magazines. I would always have a Sports Illustrated or. Really, one of the reasons why, like, I became such a crazy sports fan is I'd leave, like, a sports almanac in the bathroom, and i just, like, memorize it when I was a little kid. Wow. Yeah. Well, it was really good. Like, there, there are, like, books that are, like, uh, so-and-so, like, bathroom reader. Like, that's, like, there's a lot of books that, like, market themselves as that. And yeah. when I was in, like, uh, Ponderosa after losing Survivor All-Stars, that was really, I felt like I was, like, learning so much. I read, like, it was, like, a bathroom reader of, like, like all these uh, different books. I was like, oh, great. I just I just read this book. It was two pages. I just read this book. It was two pages. Yeah, it's a lot of fun facts yes. and a lot of a lot of strange but true stuff. <laughs> so that's all great uh, stuff that's right up my alley. And uh, guess what else is up our alley? Talking about the bookstore. We are going to be uh, joined. We have a special treat. Keeve will be joined by legend Jonathan Penner to talk with us about his role as what was his character's name zach 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 the two-timing uh smack addict yeah you don't hear much about smack nowadays by the way no no it's real well actually no they they well now they call it the fancy name opioids yeah yeah smack i'm saying just the name has really gotten out of style yeah i mean do they consider smack as an opioid is that just technically the pills Oh, you're asking the wrong guy like, i'm still when they stuck talk on about the like from last week the opioid crisis does that in, does that include uh, the Yam Yam. Yeah, he's got a lot of funny names for it. And as we'll mention later, one of them got him in a lot of trouble. One of them did. So that's what we'll talk about here today, Keeve, as uh, we're after what today? Only eight episodes left? Uh, no, way Seven? less. Seven? Six? I think. Well, oh, so that's a good question. So next week, as we mentioned before, we're skipping the Frogger. We'll do the Frogger at a date to be named soon uh, in November in um, in New York City. Yes, Hopefully. in person. In person. We're going to we're gonna end with the Frogger. So next week would have been the Frogger. We're skipping it. So next week is the Maid. So that's one. The week after that is the Puerto Rican Day Parade. That's two. Then the Clip Show, which we, we could discuss what we were going to do for that. Okay. I have an idea I just thought of today. That's okay. three. And then the finale is four. So four plus the live finale. That's all we got left. Okay. We're really almost done here. What's your idea for the Clip Show? I was thinking, because last time we had people call in. Yeah. And leave voicemails. And I thought it was a lot of fun. And we could do that again. But we've also promised people like uh, a trivia contest. So would that be a good opportunity to sort of look back at the first 178 episodes and and like actually have the uh, trivia contest between me and you? OK, so me and you in a trivia contest. Uh, I like that. That can be part of it. Can we also play clips from our first 176 episodes? Yeah, that's a good idea. But I mean, so I so I guess let's put the call out now. If there's something you like 
send it in. And if you have a timestamp for it, that's much better, right? That would be much, much better because, as you know, there's, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of, uh, you know, short of Sean Falconer and his robots. Uh, you know, we don't have a, uh, a team cutting together the audio clips of the best moments. So if you have very specific best clip moments, we can play those and Akiva can rank them. Uh, yeah. And right. If you, you better know the episode though, cause we're also like, uh, old and forgetful and we would not remember like, Hey, remember the time when you said that thing? Like, we're not going to know what episode it's from. <laughs> right. Right. So if you want us to do clips, we're happy to pull them, but we need some help in finding them. Right. And that's going to be in, I guess, three weeks time. Um, but more pressingly for next week, you know, send us your emails about the maid, not the frogger. Okay. And then I'm very excited to talk about the finale. I don't know if I've ever gone back and really done a, uh, a full rewatch and tried to absorb it. Like after the week that it aired, I think I might have just been like, okay, well, that was disappointing and maybe had seen it in syndication, but I don't know if I'd ever given it like a thorough examination. Yeah. There's a lot to do. It's going to take a long time. There's like more deleted scenes in that than the average season. So it's really a lot to get through with the finale. So, okay. It might be a long record. All right. So that's all coming up. Uh, Akiva, any Seinfeld related news you want to touch on? Not really. I mean, we got Curb coming back in just like five weeks. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't watched the leak. Nobody has said to me, Hey, uh, did you check out the curb? Not like I don't Game know, of like, Thrones, right? Not like Game of Thrones. I don't know if anyone's actual like if it's even on the major like streaming sites. Not yeah. the, not the real streaming sites like the Netflix. What's Chester doing? Is he watching leaked Game of Thrones or I is, don't think so. Yeah, no, 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 because he, because I wanted to watch the leaked one because we were doing um on Thirty Two Fans we've been doing podcasts like around the clock, and he realized he scheduled one during Game of Thrones. Uh, so I said, why can't you just watch it? Like it's already out. Like I won't tell. And he's like, no, 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 I need to watch it. His wife makes him watch it with him on the big screen. So, okay, there you go. He does not pre-watch. All right. So then uh, we're going to go through the episode and then we will talk about our rankings for this. Then we're going to call Jonathan Penner. Then we're getting into the mailbag. So that's the agenda here today for the bookstore. That's the appendix of this book. That's more the uh, index, yeah. the index than the appendix. It's the index. It's the index. Yeah. Okay. All right, Keith. So uh, let's get into this episode, which uh, originally broadcast on April 9th, 1998, written by a friend of the podcast, Spike Ferriston, uh, with Darren Henry and Mark Jaffe. Yeah. Uh, from this point on, everyone's name is being slapped on. Every single writer involved in the show gets at least one credit. So yeah. it's, it's a free for all at this point. All right. So the episode starts and I want to talk with you about this. Uh, so we see Jerry is leaving. Kramer is uh, just going crazy at Jerry's house that he is uh, just like uh, moving stuff around. He takes apart the phone, which I would ask you. Now, we've talked about Kramer and potentially him being a uh, drug user. I mean, I think that this does speak to potential methamphetamine use by Cosmo Kramer. You think that's not a normal thing to do? I mean, that's like one of the trademark things that people do on meth is like take appliances apart. Yeah, I didn't know that's a trademark, but it seems like it's uh, it, it checks out. I mean, if you were to sort of like look up, what are the symptoms of people on meth? Like what were the sort of characteristics of a meth addict? I think Kramer checks a lot of those boxes. Listen, we've been on this bandwagon since day one and no one has this. But we used to say he's a pothead. Uh, no, well, that's just like a, like an overall, like he's a, he's possibly a drug dealer and he probably smokes a lot of pot. 
It doesn't preclude him from doing other drugs. Okay, here's some, you know, tells for meth abusers. Okay, this is from uh, narconon.org. Okay, meth abusers uh, do not sleep for long period. Okay, wow. Check. Boy. Yeah, that's a major check. Loses his or her appetite. I mean, I thought there's like three or four episodes. That's the plot point. Okay. I mean, he's usually hungry, but fine. Loses large amounts of weight. He was always slender. Yeah, but maybe not before he started using meth. Yeah. Might have been fat back then. Okay. May appear unusually active. Yeah, that's uh, that's him. And then finally, can seem nervous and anxious. Oh, boy. Oh, no. I think we nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just clicked for me once he's taken apart the phone. Uh, I think that that could be something. Anyway. Kramer, then he also like dresses up in Jerry's suits and is like doing a bit. What's the deal about politics? Then there's like a hundred people in Jerry's apartment at one point, all drinking tea. There's a guy who wants to fight him. Uh, Kramer is sleeping on Jerry's couch by the time Jerry comes home. Was this a dream? It's a good question, right? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's like this is kind of what Kramer could do on a day. And, you know, it's all set up obviously for the joke at the end where Jerry's only concerned about the cup being slightly off the you know on the table and off the uh the the cup holder placement whatever it's called um no i don't think it's a dream i don't think they there's certain like fuzziness that a dream is sort of shot in and i don't think this really holds like that's not this isn't really like that i don't think it is i don't know i'm like 30 percent yeah we could we could let's email it <laughs> because there's no way that Kramer could have gotten all those things accomplished that he did in the time that Jerry was out doing stand-up comedy. I mean, Jerry was he was tweaking on something and had a lot of energy. That's true. But even he got, he shuffled all those people in for the tea party and then out. There was the guy that wanted to beat him up. He moved all the furniture around. He put on Jerry's suits. He took down that curtain. It, you know, he took the phone apart. He put it back together. To me, I just don't know how he accomplished all that in like two hours. No, it's very impressive, but I feel like if he, you know, if he's taken some sort of speed, then maybe it's possible. It is possible. Okay, we'll uh, be on the lookout for that. All right. So we see George and Jerry in the bookstore. Supposedly, the bookstore is a great place to uh, meet women. Are you buying that, Keith? Um, I mean, a certain type of woman you could meet there, but I, I feel like no. I, I think it's a terrible place. Pre-Tinder world, you had to go to certain places to meet people. I think bars are good or dance clubs or something. I, I feel like bookstore is terrible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we see Kramer is very excited. He's reading a book about what pagodas and he needs to get over to Hong Kong before it goes back to China. Well, it's a joke there. It already did go back to China. Yeah, it already had gone back to China. Okay. Uh, sorry, I am not a uh, geopolitical junkie like uh, unlike Cosmo Kramer. And so Kramer says that Hong Kong has outlawed the rickshaw. He wants to bring the rickshaw to New York. I mean, I guess they didn't have rickshaws then. Obviously, they have a zillion now. Yeah, but they don't call them rickshaws, right? What do they call them? Are they called rickshaws? I think that's one of the names for them. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was definitely like I've been to San Diego and seen them. I have not seen them a lot in Manhattan. You say that they are uh, prolific. Yeah. Well, maybe they call them pedicabs, but yeah, they're all over the place. Pedicabs. See, that's the, I feel like that that is the, uh, the, the correct term now. Yeah. That's the appropriate nomenclature, <laughs> but yeah, they are rickshaws. Right. Okay. So Kramer brought it back. 
Uh, I think Seinfeld and Kramer brought it back. Yes. Okay. So George is going to head to the bathroom. He brings a large book in there with him. Uh, that will be a plot point coming up in a bit. Kramer and Jerry see Uncle Leo. Uncle Leo, uh, when was the last time we saw him? Ooh, uh, I mean, we've seen him this season. Yeah, what was wasn't he doing? In Fl- he wasn't in Florida the last couple of weeks, so yeah, um, we've been missing Uncle Leo. And Kramer does not seem to know who Uncle Leo is, uh, that he didn't know him by his first name, Uncle. But we see Uncle Leo is stealing the the book. Actually, the last time we saw Uncle Leo was in season eight, the package. Okay, so this is his first appearance all season. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then he'll be back. Feels like it was just yesterday that we saw Uncle Leo. And obviously, yeah, we see him in the finale. Yeah, the real uh, heyday of uh, Uncle Leo, the salad days of Uncle Leo, I think come in season four, season five, and season six. Uh, He appears in eight episodes over those three seasons. Then down the stretch, uh, he's only in the shower, had the package and the bookstore before appearing again in the finale. And I don't think he has a lot of business in the finale. Also, he's really getting much older as the season, as the series progresses. So that might have something. <laughs> like he's aging faster than the rest of the cast. No, he's I think he's older than Morty and Helen. Like he's just he was an old man. So it's not crazy that. Yeah. Like he slowed down his work a little bit once he got to his later 70s. We see Uncle Leo is shoplifting, Keith. Yeah, but apparently so do all old people, so it's okay. Now, is this a thing? Did Seinfeld invent something, or did Seinfeld tap into something? I, you know, I don't know. In the mailbag, we're going to have some thoughts about the old people shoplifting. Yeah. But I, it was not something I was aware of other than this episode. Yeah. Kramer says to Jerry, well, that ought to keep you busy for a few days. Uh, is that sort of meta-commentary of, like, that Kramer recognizes, like, an inciting incident for an episode? You think this is meta-commentary? Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's almost like that they recognize the fact that they're in a sitcom and it's like, oh, well, that's your story for the week. I mean, there's so much of that in season nine, right? Like mm-hmm. there's so there's so many winks to the audience. So it's possible. OK, we go to the Peterman party. Um, is this the same event that Elaine does dance at? Is it, I mean, is it billed as the same thing? I, I thought it was the holiday party last year. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't in holiday time. But um, yeah, I buy it. That's the annual Peterman party. Okay. With Peterman, he might, he might, his annual party might be three times one year and zero times the next. He's pretty flaky. Yeah. And so everybody is keyed into when is Elaine going to dance at this party? People are waiting for the little kicks to return. It is funny that it's like, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of these. We're like, we do something and then it's the anniversary of it in Seinfeld and we're going back to the scene of the crime. Yes. Even the wait staff wants Elaine to dance and uh, Elaine will not do it. Uh, Mr. Peterman does a toast and then he starts to dance. Now, the actor who plays uh, Peterman, uh, John O'Hurley, he ended up famously competing in the very first season of Dancing with the Stars, Keith. Yes. Infamously, I would say. Yes. And I believe he was the runner up, correct? Uh, I'm not I'm not a big Dancing with the Stars statistician, but I thought he won. So that sounds right. OK. Uh, did he win or? No, you're probably right. I'm just saying in my mind, I thought he did well. Yes. He was a contestant during the first season of Dancing with the Stars. Yes. And I believe he lost to Kelly Monaco. Yeah. Who I think is famous for being on Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He lost to ABC soap star Kelly Monaco. In the summer of 2005, uh, after fans alleged that Monaco's victory was a setup, the network announced that O'Hurley, Monaco and their professional dancing partners would face off in a special grudge match special 
on September 20th, 2005, according to Wikipedia. And unlike the first episode, viewers vote solely determined uh, on the outcome as opposed to a combination between the three professional judges and viewer votes. And who won? O'Hurley emerged as the winner. Wow. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Too bad we didn't hear about it 12 years ago. We would have been all over that (laughs) watching it. Yeah. Well, Seinfeld news for the week. We're coming up on the uh, almost the 12 year anniversary of that. Never forget. Never forget that. So John O'Hurley knows what he's doing. But uh, Elaine is sort of uh, miserable at the table. We see Zach enter the picture, played by our our great friend, Jonathan Penner. And uh, Elaine is down in the dumps. uh, And he asks her, uh, as a good, good line with her, Zach makes the introduction. Hi, I'm Zach. Elaine counters with, hi, I'm miserable. And uh, the sparks are flying. Yeah, instant instant chemistry. Instant chemistry uh, with them. Okay. We go to George in the bookstore, and uh, the manager of the bookstore busts him, says, hey, uh, you just took that book into the bathroom. I, I like George's answer to him when he says, uh, did you take that book in the bathroom? He's like, what answer do you want to hear? I like that. I, I like answering all <laughs> questions with that. Like if your wife is like, hey, you know that there's like a piece of pie missing? Like, do I know? I don't know. Yeah. Although... It seems pretty obvious to me what the right answer would be uh, when the manager of the bookstore asks you, did you just take that book with you into the bathroom? I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of gray area. What do you say? Yes, you admit it or you say no and run. Well, when you're asking, what do you want to hear? I, I think that the guy doesn't <laughs> want to hear a lie. Yeah, true. I mean, it's almost like you got caught speeding and saying to the cop like, uh, all right. Uh, so what answer do you want to hear? I like I feel like that that is not the right answer in that spot. Uh, no, I agree. It's um, I mean, someone I think Amir points out in the mailbag, but it's worth discussing here. They have no like well, they can't call the police. They're not going to call the police and say, like, this guy brought a book into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So you could just leave like they're not going to physically force you to buy the book. Right. I think think that george his mo tends to be the like just like when he was busted by the rosses like uh he just does not flee he like for whatever reason wants to sort of like still have some sort of a moral high ground of no you see i was uh just uh you know holding the book i was going to buy it and i took it with me I didn't have it. I, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, I don't want to buy the book. I already have that one. Like, I feel like he would rather tell a story than just run for it. True, true. But again, since it's a very expensive book that he has to pay for, it's crazy that he just agrees to pay for it. Like, worst case scenario, you're going to be banned for the store for life. Who cares? Who cares? No books for you. All right. So we see Jerry and George at the diner. And so uh, George says they made him buy the book. And uh, he's very upset that uh, to spend money on a book, he says he has news for uh, book writers. Uh, if it wasn't for the toilet, there would be no books. Um, hmm. I mean, I feel like books predate toilet. Do books predate toilets. What about the outhouse? Well, at least outdoor. At, at least, yeah, playing. I guess books. You think people brought books to the outhouse? That's kind of gross. That's a real flag. <laughs> yeah. So George says that the bookstore is uh, it, there's entrapment going on. There. They're selling you coffee, bran muffins, and you're surrounded by reading material. Keeve, uh, is George on to something? Yeah, you think they're trying? I don't think 
any stores trying to get more people to use their bathroom. I think they are selling lots of muffins. I don't think that they're only selling brand muffins in particular. Right. I agree. Like they're not selling laxatives there. No, then we'd know something was up. <laughs> um, they want you to stay for a long time, but that doesn't necessarily mean use the bathroom. Right, right. I mean, Starbucks has all those things. I don't think that they're necessarily trying to invite you to stay in the bathroom. They're, they've got a co- lock combination on their door. Yeah, they definitely don't want you going to the bathroom. Yes. Uh, what's your opinion on the like coffee shop with the combination lock? Well, uh, you mean like locking the bathroom? Right. The keypad. Well, like, what's worse for you, the keypad or sometimes like? You go to Starbucks and they have like some like giant metal spoon with the with the key on it. Uh, yeah, that's weird. I don't like the Which, gross spoon. Yeah, like I don't uh, want to hold the object the I mean, I, that yeah, everybody else has want, held. I don't want to hold it. Yeah, right. You don't know where it's been. Yeah. But then like with the password, it's like, can you tell me the password for the and then they're like, they're like oh, it's like seven zero five two one. It's like, OK, uh, I didn't have a pen. Uh, and then you're like embarrassed that you might not be able to remember it. Right. You might not remember. You have to like save it in your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to the same store every day, like, you know, does the code always stay the same? It probably changes sometimes. Yeah, it could change. Um, but it's bad. Oh, like, yeah, the, the whole the key pass thing is bad. Do you remember like if we were ever in school and they had like a literal like uh, a racer sized hall pass yeah. that you needed to go to the bathroom? Yeah. yeah. So that's it's just, it reminds me of that. It's like I'm a child again. <laughs> OK, so. Jerry confides in George that he spotted Uncle Leo stealing books. I like George's response. Like, good for Uncle Leo sticking it to the man. Yeah. Again, we hate. I, what man does this show hate? Because the man really hates the the working man. The show really hates the working man. So I don't know why they all of a sudden they're pro like sticking it to the big corporation here. <laughs> all right. Elaine comes in. She is uh, not looking so great. Uh, she apparently is doing the walk of shame. Uh, and, uh, or I guess not so much the walking, the walk of shame because, uh, she said she just made out at the party, but, uh, she says it was the cocktail flu. She, uh, got very drunk and made out with Zach, like a person whose plane was going down. Keeve, is this foreshadowing for the finale? Yeah. Someone asked that in the mailbag. Um, I think maybe the, the finale is just sort of catching up to this. I don't think they had the finale in mind. Or, you know, especially since LD was not even probably in, in on the uh, on the set at this point, yeah. writing the finale. I so I think it's probably a coincidence. Probably a coincidence. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so Elaine's very embarrassed uh, with somebody of her position, an associate to be making out at the office. Uh, she's concerned that now she's the office skank. Well, hold on, Keeve. Yeah. We back up. Boop, boop, boop. Mm-hmm. I mean, wasn't Elaine already considered the office skank? Didn't we have a whole episode about the woman who wanted nothing to do with her and her germs because she was considered to be the office skank? Oh, yeah. This is just another notch in Elaine's belt. Also, like the idea that Elaine's an associate. She was the CEO, you know, a year ago. I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. Like that's her title now. She got demoted from CEO to associate. The Peterman flowchart. OK. Yeah. So Elaine uh, is presented with the idea by George that maybe she could pretend that she's dating that guy because then if she's dating Zach, then it wasn't gross. And if everybody saw them, that was just a beautiful moment together, as Jerry points out, as opposed to a spirited bout of skanko Roman wrestling. Yeah, that's a good line. Okay. All right. Uh, Jerry comes home. 
And here are Kramer and Newman. They are hatching plans for the rickshaw business. Yeah, they got a great idea going. So Newman knows a guy in the Hong Kong post office, and they are going to be bringing the rickshaws slash pedicabs back to New York. And they did it, Keith. So we've been skeptical very much about Kramer and Newman and their plans. But this one works. Except that they, they needed to get a rickshaw from Hong Kong when they easily could have had. It's not such a complicated thing. They easily could have had one made in New York, I'm sure, for much less okay. you know, than, than sh- the shipping from Hong Kong costs. But the problem is, who was going to pull the rickshaw? I think they both thought the other person was going to do it. I don't know how Kramer thought Newman was yeah. going to be pulling the yeah, rickshaw. Yeah, I agree. That's crazy. Okay, but they point out the idea. Kramer says, what about the homeless to pull the rickshaw? Uh, Newman says they do have an intimate knowledge of the street. It's interesting, Keeve, that uh, the homeless uh, are always getting the shaft from Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. No respect for the homeless. They just talked about sticking it to the man. Mm-hmm. But uh, not not really a lot of respect. You know, like, I don't think they're super into, uh, you know, income uh, redistribution on the show. I, I think they're uh, anti-homeless, pro-corporation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why all of a sudden, you know, George is pro-stealing from, uh, from Brett, you know, the bookstore. Okay. So here is Uncle Leo. He is at the coffee shop with Jerry and Jerry is concerned that maybe Uncle Leo is in a bad spot financially uh, because that he is stealing books from the bookstore. Uh, Yeah, he's very concerned about Uncle Leo's finances, which are pretty sketchy. Like we don't know how or why Uncle Leo ever had money, right? Yeah. Keith, could we attach the idea of senior citizens steal to this overarching economic worldview of Seinfeld uh, to stick it to the man, stick it to the homeless, old people steal. Like, how how are they connected, though? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. And trying to think if there's anybody associated with Seinfeld that we have a a well-established opinion of their political worldview. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't don't know if there's anybody like that. Uh, So, Leo... Is uh, saying to Jerry, no, it's nothing. All the old people steal. We all do it. Yeah. I guess if everyone does it, then no one's really stealing. Yeah. Leo is uh, not scared of being arrested. He says, I'm an old man. I'm confused. I thought I paid for it. Right. Jerry mentions jail and Leo is incredulous. Yes. Uh, Leo says, all right, you made your point. I'm not going to do it anymore. Uh, And also, Leo seems to have a new condition. He thinks that he always hears a phone ringing. Yeah. You should get his ears checked out for sure. Again. Uh, Kramer took apart the phone in the episode. Is that connected, Keith? You think that somehow that got into like in Leo's dream head? sequence, right? Maybe Leo called Jerry and Kramer took it apart during the phone call, and that's what he's still hearing. Is Leo like Freddy Krueger, where he has gone into Kramer's dreams? Freddy Krueger goes into people's dreams. That actually yeah. sounds scary. I'm not going to watch that movie. I, I mean, that, that that's like the one, like, number one thing. Like, uh, 100 people surveyed, top four answers on the board, name something about Freddy Krueger. Uh, yeah, he goes into your dream. Now it would be, like, dirty, and, and, and then Steve Harvey would pretend like you weren't <laughs> exactly supposed to say that thing. Yeah. I mean... Where is Family Feud gone? I feel like... Yeah. Give me, give me our, like, our grandparents' Family Feud. What the heck is happening to Family Feud? <laughs> They're yeah. literally only concerned with going viral. Skanko on, you know, Roman wrestling, uh, they should exactly. call it. But, yeah, yeah Freddy Krueger, he, like, if you go to sleep, then he comes in your dreams, and then, and then he kills you. Is it. he real? I mean, I think that he's a demon. Does he show up when people are awake or he only no, knows when he, you're he only shows up when you're sleeping? That's but, crazy. So if you never sleep, for, the Krugs can't get to you. Right, right. So these kids like try to stay awake. And that's probably how Kramer ended up starting the methamphetamine. But 
Uh, oh my God, that's scary. Yeah, but then I you, didn't know Freddy Krueger was such a demon. You doze off for a second, then he shows up. Well, you don't dream if you doze off for a second. If, no, is, yes, is you do. Yes, you do. Oh, that's that's canon. I'm I'm throwing a flag on Freddy Krueger. <laughs> All right. So Elaine is back at work and she is telling uh, her coworker about how she's been dating Zach for three months. Everything is good. Uh, maybe even hot and heavy. Uh, yeah. You didn't think I was the office gang, did you? Yes. And then they open up a door. Here is uh, old Zach. That, uh, you know, that Tomcat. There he is uh, making out with another employee. Yeah, We don't really know who it is, right? No. And the coworker asks Elaine, uh, aren't you upset? And Elaine goes into crying. Yeah. This is such a, like a telegraph. Like, aren't you supposed to be upset? Oh yeah. I guess I am. Upset. Yeah. All right. So Kramer and Newman are working with some of New York city's finest homeless people. Uh, they start with three. One guy just walks off. They're down to two people that are candidates for the rickshaw position. One guy, I'd say he looks like a real homeless the other guy looks like an actor that they just dirtied up. Um, yes, it looked right. I, I, it's weird that they went in such different directions, maybe to distinguish them. I think they're both actors that just like they made different choices with both of them. I feel like that one guy, I mean, he looks like an organic homeless person. The other person, I was not buying the homelessness of Rusty. Like he could have been Elaine's boyfriend in any other episode. Yeah, you're right. He didn't look super homeless. Like he might be a new homeless, you know? Brand new homeless, right? The other guy's like is is a veteran of the game. Yes. <laughs> um, but going back to the last scene for one second, the the woman in the closet with Zach is credited. So when we speak, if and when we speak to Penner, will he be able to remember the name of the woman he made out with in the closet on Seinfeld? Okay. All right. Um, what do you think? I'm guessing no. that. Will he know the name of that woman? Yes. Um. Well. I feel like he is uh, maybe not going to. I would guess not. I would guess not. Yeah. She seemed to be a set assistant on the show. Yeah. Um, she was a set assistant. That's what it was. Yeah. Not an actress. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if he if he does or not. Okay. okay let's tell him we bet $500 on it also. Well, make, we, make we, we both bet the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But we, he doesn't have to know that. Okay. He's not going to listen to this. <laughs> Okay, so I do like the one guy who the the older guy who looks more like a real homeless person that uh, he just yells out the government. Yeah, potato salad. Yeah, he's good. They let the uh, the fake homeless guy try out the rickshaw and he ultimately just like uh, bolts with it. He runs off. Yeah, I guess they didn't leave any collateral. They didn't really think uh, that he was going to steal it. Yes. Uh, do you like that this guy's name is Rusty? It's weird, right? Why? I guess it's like, oh, yeah, like just for the joke that we used to have a horse named Rusty or it was an accident. And someone's like, didn't we have a Rusty? And then they're just like left it in. I'm no, not sure. I think it's a 100% intentional that Rusty was the beefarino right, the horse. horse. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, the same idea. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. I think it's funny that they named the guy Rusty who was also going to pull the rickshaw. Yeah, okay. And, but, and he probably pooped all over the place. <laughs> right. I don't think that there was an issue with Rusty pooping. I think that that was just, uh, it was just a gas issue with Rusty. But right, I think, okay. But I do feel like that they should have, uh, like, mentioned the handsome cab incident a little bit more. So, like, uh, like, oh, this is like a handsome cab, but better without that smelly horse. Right. But sometimes the, the callbacks, like, if you don't pat yourself on the back for the call for the callback, it's better, no? Uh, not in 1998. Yeah, you're right. 
this is like a pre YouTube world. So I, I think that they needed to call these things out when they happen. All right. So uh, George goes back to the bookstore and he tries to return the book and uh, they will not let him because it has been flagged. Really flagged the whole citywide. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, certainly uh, at this store uh, that this is, this is the first place he's not going to be able to go. And then uh, none of the chains uh, they're all hooked up to uh, whatever 1998 computer network they had to make sure nobody's returning bathroom books. I mean, the, not just not just Brentano's, literally everywhere in the city. It was a chain, the most organized thing they had going. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, they the FBI was not as organized as this bookstore in 1998. It's still not as organized. Yeah. All right. So we see now uh, Jerry uh, back in the bookstore and Uncle Leo is here once again. Uncle Leo pocketing more books. What does Uncle Leo need with all these books? It's not. I think a lot of times when these people steal things, it's not about the thing. It's just about like the thrill of stealing or whatever. Yeah. Well, we do find out later that Uncle Leo has a criminal history. So maybe he needs to uh, get his jollies by stealing. Yeah. Since he can't just keep murdering people or whatever he did. What do you think of this move where Jerry tells the security guard, hey, my uncle is stealing books. Can you just go scare him a little bit? Like, this was messed up. I'm Team Leo on this. It's messed up. But the second time he does it, it's like sociopathic and he should go to jail for that alone. Yes. Yes. I mean, the first time, I mean, both are bad. But this is the second one it will, we'll get into as well. But uh, for Jerry to narc on Uncle Leo like this, I mean, this is uh, beyond reproach. Your own flesh and blood. It's insane. Yeah, this is really terrible. And so uh, Uncle Leo even says, uh, you ratted me out. Uh, I mean, there's such a heartbreak on Uncle Leo, even though he's most heartbroken about not getting the hello. It's it's heartbreak on Leo's point. It's crazy. A2 Brute? Yes. Yeah. Truly the worst thing Jerry's done so far, in my opinion. Oh, wow. Out of anything? Well, top, no, it's top three. Top three. Top we'll, three. We, we'll discuss in the mailbag. I think someone asked a question like that, but it's 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 up there. I mean, ratting out your family to get them arrested is really bad. Worse than digging up the parrot? Uh, it's. I think it is worse than digging up the parrot because like, they, they, he needed something from the parrot. That wasn't just malice. By the way, think, yes. And that, yeah. well, and uh, everything comes full circle because uh, the reason why Jerry needed to dig up the parrot was that he needed the cufflinks to impress Jerry Lewis who uh, sadly uh, passed away to the alternate side this week. Uh, yes, RIP Jerry Lewis. But uh, in terms of like the worst things ever done, I think the only contender I can think of off the top of my head is stealing the bread from the marble rye from the lady. I feel like that that was still like, because the lady was mean. I feel like uh, she antagonized him. I, I would I think I would have that lower than both the other two things. Wow. Wow. Different power rings than I would have thought. Okay. Also we'll talk it Interesting. All right. Uh, so Jerry uh, is on the phone with his parents and his parents are really protecting Leo and talking about how uh, that he has priors. He could go to jail. It was a crime of passion. Leave it alone. Yeah. I'm guessing that if I really had to guess, I'm guessing that he killed uh, some lady he thought was cheating on him's boy, supposed boyfriend. That's the crime of passion. He killed somebody that he thought was cheating like the person that he thought was cheating like so, his ex-girlfriend his girlfriend's lover so or basically like leo uh is uh he took out ronald goldman but not yeah. the okay. oh yeah yeah crime of passion okay boy and he was found innocent 
or he just did a couple of years. Did a couple of years. I mean, what happened I mean, to Leo's wife in uh, this timeline? What happened to his wife? Yes. Well, I think they were divorced, right? He's not married. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe they were on a break and it wasn't so clear and she didn't realize it wasn't so clear. And, and he caught her with a guy in a bookstore. Yeah. He was trying to smuggle a book. How yes. to kill your wife. Yeah. And then he ends up uh, killing her. Yes. Okay. Wow. That's dark for Leo. And I mean, Leo's got a little bit of OJ in him. <laughs> Morty says, you know, it's not stealing if it's something you need. And Jerry says, uh, what does that mean? Uh, and Helen adds in, nobody pays for everything. Yeah, he'll turn from Helen in this episode. Yes. Uh, and Jer- Jerry just can't believe it. Even his mom. Uh, because it starts off when he's saying, like, Mom, you steal too? And she says, well, sometimes your father forgets. And so I have to steal them. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. All right. So out of character. Here comes Kramer. And uh, he is explaining about how the rickshaw plan went south. Yeah. Who would have thunk that uh, two idiots couldn't handle uh, like a big piece of equipment in Manhattan? Yeah. So Kramer and Newman are going to split up and go to go look for the rickshaw. When they leave, Jerry says uh, to the idiot mobile. What do you think of yeah. uh, Jerry just uh, being uh, so just outwardly rude? Well, I mean, I don't think that's out of character for Newman and Kramer together. I think it's a funny line. Mm hmm. Right. I mean, Newman says we're checking the sewers and the dumpsters and the soup kitchens like they're both morons. I don't think that's a big deal. And he loves Superman and Batman stuff. So I think that's in character. Yeah, I feel like it's a a little hard for Jerry. I think that normally like Jerry says something that's like that they would interpret as a sort of like, uh, yeah, he's on our page, but he is mocking them. Right. Like, yeah, that'll work. But they think he's actually being like realistic and not facetious. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we see now uh, Jerry and Elaine back at the diner and Elaine is talking about how now she is going to dump Zach because he was cheating on her. I feel like that today this would be an even more popular move. Why is that? She, Elaine would be like the, you know, Yas Queen. She dumped. Oh, yeah. She would get Yas Queen a lot for sure. Right. Um, so Jerry compares her to Tina Turner. She was the original Yes Queen, Tina Turner. Yes. Okay. George cannot return the book. Every database in town, uh, everybody knows that the book is flagged. Uh, He says, hey, they let you try on pants at the store. Why can't I return this book? Jerry does, uh, you know, very expertly add uh, they don't let you try on underpants. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Uncle Leo is at Monk's. Uh, We have talked the last couple episodes about all these different characters that show up at Monk's. Was Uncle Leo hoping to run into Jerry? I think so. I think he's uh, I think he's coming here for, you know, to really like threaten Jerry to make him feel guilty. Yes, for sure. Yes. And so Uncle Leo uh, is uh, approached by Jerry and Uncle Leo does not give the traditional hello, Jerry. He just gives Jerry and Uncle Leo tells uh, Jerry after he apologizes um, that he Jerry didn't know about his past. Uncle Leo says, oh, you mean my crime of passion? If anybody betrays me, I never forget. So I think some more fuel to the fire for your theory, Keith. Yes, but did he also maybe take out the girlfriend or ex-wife? That's the question. Because mm-hmm. the guy didn't. Oh, unless the guy was his best friend, that's who cheated. Oh boy, and that's the betrayal. I think that's what we got here. Yeah. Okay. That should have been the episode of the betrayal, and not the backwards episode. Maybe we could do the Uncle Leo backstory spinoff. I think we could. I mean, we'd need a different actor, but I think we could do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. 
Elaine has the big book of uh, the uh, French Impressionism paintings, and she is loving it. She loves the book, and she asks George about it, and he says that, okay, uh, well, he'd be willing to part with it for $125, Keeve. This is really terrible. Well, what, what was the book? I think it's like the point of the book is that it was super expensive. That's why George is so mad. Well, I think the book was $100. Like, he's yeah, $100. turning a profit on the book now. Listen, there's no Craigslist then. He, George is a liar. He's going to say it was 150 The whole episode is him trying to get rid of this book. And then here's Elaine. Now he's trying to make a profit with his friend. I mean, I think this was terrible. I agree it's terrible, but it's also not so out of character for Georgie. Okay. All right. So Jerry comes in uh, after George says, uh, there was nothing wrong with this book. And he's like, what is that doing on the table? Um, yeah. The, uh, the Jerry, this is really the second of three times during the episode where he could be a bro and he decides not to be a bro. <laughs> yeah. And so he explains that it was a bathroom book and Elaine uh, runs for it. This is the biohazard. Uh, also, Jerry adds he does not read in the bathroom. Not a bathroom reader. I wonder if I wonder if the phone has really uh, changed Jerry. I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe he's doing like uh, transcendental meditation in there. Yeah, a lot of meditation in the bathroom for sure. Yes. OK, Gotta get away from the kids somewhere. So here's Peterman, and he wants to talk to Elaine about her lover, Zach. And Elaine tries to tell him that, well, he cheated on me. Peterman has an interesting turn of phrase. He says, who amongst us hasn't snuck into the break room to nibble on a love Newton? That's the grossest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> love Newton. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'd, I'd suggest if we have any, like, uh, if we have any, like, people out there, ladies or fellas, or, you know, meeting someone new for the weekend. Try, tr drop the Love, New the Love Newton uh, line and see if that, if the person leaves. I would take a Like Newton. You take a Like Newton? Yeah, sure. I'm looking for, sometimes just to tolerate Newton is fine. <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> okay. I had my 13th anniversary yesterday. I'm just looking for, like, be in the same room as me, Newton. Happy anniversary. Yeah. My marriage is a man. Okay. Keeve. <laughs> uh, what, what is that? What would you call that? The marriage bar mitzvah? Yeah, the marriage bar mitzvah. Okay. I mean, I just invented it. I don't think anyone, you know, has, uh, it, there's not really a term for it. Do I have to give you a gift? For my 13th? No, you got to, that's only the round numbers, 10 and, I, but the round number is like 15 is not a big number if you think about it, right? No. Like five is big, 10 is big, 15 is kind of nothing, and then like 20 is big, and I feel like 25 is probably the biggest of, 25 is the biggest of anything till 40. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. uh, 15 is big in terms of like the hour, so like 715. 7.30. Yeah, no, like, but I mean in anniversaries, 15 is nothing, and in birthdays, it's not a big deal, because it's the one before 16. Yeah, unless you have a quinceanera. Yeah, all right, 15 is quinceanera, that's true. Yes. But but for anniversaries, 15 is almost nothing. It's the same as 14 or 13. It's almost nothing, just a pit stop on the way to eternity. That's right. <laughs> so, Peterman has an explanation for what's going on with Zach. He explains to Elaine he's back on the horse, Elaine. Smack, White Palace, the Chinaman's nightcap. Yeah, so that's what they got in trouble for, right? Because you can't say Chinaman anymore. Mm -hmm. And also, like, you're also not just saying it in a neutral way. You're Who got in you're trouble? That, the like, show got in trouble? The show got in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, it, when they re-aired this afterwards, they, they cut that line. Okay. So, uh, we do not approve of anything Peter Min is talking about. No, you can't say Chinaman. And uh, we shouldn't even say it anymore. But the... the um, I guess it's one of those things probably where the show just didn't realize 
which happens uh, several times at the end of season nine. <laughs> right. But uh, we can ask our friend Spike if we speak to him again what happened here because he was against, he said he was against the Puerto Rican flag, but maybe nobody, uh, maybe this slipped through and nobody knew about it. Yeah, I think that Peterman is not one of the uh, most woke figures in all of uh, Seinfeld. I think they were just trying to come up with a uh, funny colloquialism. You know, yeah. What's what's the woke powerings? Who's the wokest on Seinfeld? Um, boy, uh, I think hard. Elaine sometimes could be pretty. She woke. was in the early seasons. Uh, in the early she season. was. Now, now she's, she's, she's like doesn't uh, care. Now she doesn't, doesn't care. care anymore. And I don't know if anybody else is even close. Is anybody woke? Like none of the parents are obviously woke. Mm-hmm. Jerry's not woke. Kramer, like he, he's got his head in the clouds. Sometimes he can be woke. He he can be sometimes. Sometimes, but. Overall, no, this is not uh, the place to look for, uh, you know, those, uh, those ideals. Yeah. So Elaine explains she was going to break up with him and you can't Elaine because he's going cold turkey and you need to help him or you will lose your associate status. What you going to be then? I don't know. I think she'd be out on the street. I guess just fired. Yeah. Yes. And it was that wasn't Zach who was cheating on her. That was the yam yam. Now he's going cold turkey. Yeah, I don't think the yam yam is held up <laughs> as well as the word smack even. <laughs> all right uh we see uh jerry uh tossing and turning in his bed as he is hearing the voices of his mom saying that it was a crime of passion uh uncle leo if anybody betrays me i'll never forget uh we see this dream sequence of uncle leo like a cape fear keeves did you ever see this movie no but i'm familiar with the image yes uh, i mean, even i've never seen this movie um, right, he's doing he's doing push ups with with the words Jerry's Jerry tattooed on his hands. Right. And Cape Fear was not and even hello, a recent okay. movie in 1998. No, like it was like uh, Cape Fear was like like 92 at the latest. Yeah. The show is never concerned with like timely reference. Topical reference. OK. All right. So the phone rings. Uh, Uncle Leo in the dream is saying like, can somebody answer that phone? Elaine, it calls and she gives and it's me. Was this intentional? Uh, it's a good it's a good question. Is it a callback to last week? I think it is. OK. And so she's talking about how uh, Zach is going through withdrawals and uh, he's vomiting everywhere, basically. Stay away from the curtains, Elaine. Uh, yeah, it sounds pretty gross. Luckily, we don't see any of it. Not good. Not. Uh, I feel like is uh, I feel like we've seen this type of thing before. Uh, I can't put my finger on what it is, but not good. Also, with the time Zach calls, and I guess that's uh, a line from from Penner. It sounds a lot like Larry David off screen also. Hmm. Okay, we'll have to go back and take a listen to that. Uh, Kramer and Newman come into Jerry's bedroom and uh, he Jerry just wants to be left alone. Yeah, it's pretty funny seeing Newman in Jerry's bedroom. Yeah. And they let him know that the rickshaw has been spotted in Battery Park. Um, yeah. Who's spotted? Who's doing rickshaw spotting? <laughs> a postman. That's what Newman I guess. Does. Yeah, I guess he's got the whole post office on the team, right? Yes. So they leave. Uh, they head down to uh, Battery Park to go uh, pick up the rickshaw. Now, is it daytime by the time they get there? Do they wake up in the morning and go do it? I guess they probably wait till the crack of dawn. Yeah, we don't want to go down to Battery Park in at three in the morning. Yeah, they wait till daylight and they uh, chase the guy away. That he wants to know if he got the job, and they said we'll get back to you. Okay, so they're gonna pull the rickshaw together until they realize. Well, it makes more sense for just one of us to be pulling it. So Kramer does some weird version of Eeny Meeny Miny Mo. Yeah, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Or since. And he loses twice. And then Newman ends up being the person riding in the rickshaw. And then Newman, like, becomes another person. In what way? He's just, like, starts talking to Kramer as boy. 
and he is acting like he is like uh, some like uh, you know king aristocrat. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I guess he's sitting in a rickshaw. I mean, I've never been pulled by. Uh, I think one time Nicole and I got into like a pedicab in San Diego. I think that's the only time I ever did it. Maybe you feel very kingly when you have another human being pulling you. Yeah, until like the until like the uh, yeah. It, that's it's probably better than the horse thing because the horse you're sort of like it could be really stinky. So you're probably better off with a person pulling you. Yeah, but I, I would feel too bad to do it with a person. Keep we see George trying to go flip the book at a uh, I don't know if you would call this like a Salvation Army or what. I think this might be my favorite moment in the episode. Uh, the return of Rebecca de Mornay. Yeah, that's great. Yes. As uh, Spike Ferriston uh, mentioned with us a couple of weeks ago, uh, she is the same character who worked in the homeless shelter who did not want the muffin stumps. What do you think that the homeless people will eat anything? And so George is trying to donate this book to charity for just for a write off. And uh, she asks, what's the value of the book? He says it's two hundred dollars now. And uh, she realizes that this book has been in the bathroom. It's flagged. Um, yeah. How she knows, we'll never know. She used to work in a Bretano. So I don't know. if And for what? Is there like a special sticker that's only visible to the eyes of Bretano employees? It seemed like it was like scanned into the system. I don't know necessarily if there was a what sticker system? on the book. Is there like one big system for every like store in New York City? I don't know. I don't know. If they're all sitting in a bookstore in. anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, George is trying to make a deal with her. He says he'll take store credit. I love this line from her. She says, yeah, I got a deal for you. You get your toilet book out of here and I won't jump over this counter and punch you in the brain. It's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. Um, and I also like that uh, George tries to pronounce her name a different way as uh, not De Mornay, and she corrects him. No, it's De, it's De Mornay, Rebecca De Mornay. Well, it's just her. Way, that's just the show's way of reminding us who she is. <laughs> yes. That, and also, there is a famous actress with the same name. Yes. Okay. So we're back at the bookstore, Keeve, and I think that this is a weird moment where uh, Elaine has bought a book and it's in a bag. And then she says to the cashier, so this book will tell me how to get puke out of cashmere? Like, yes, the book you just bought, like, uh, you know, yes. Well, she could always return it if the, if the, if the cashier says no, unless she brought it into the bathroom when we weren't looking. Yeah. All right. Uh, Elaine says uh, Zach is clean. She's pronounced him, uh, boy, 24 hours with Elaine. And uh, the detox is good. She should open That's a clinic. rapid detox. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and now she can break up with him and she'll be the office hero. Yes. Yes. She will be the yes queen of the day. And she even invented the detox poncho. (laughs) I love it. Yes. Okay. Uh, So Jerry uh, would like to speak with the manager. Uh, We then go to Newman and Kramer on the street. Kramer is getting tired of pulling Newman uphill on the rickshaw. Do you think that the pedicabs avoid the uphill streets? I think they avoid the overweight people. Yes, uh, that's also good. Also, in Manhattan, are there that many really uphill streets? I mean, it's not San Francisco. No, not in central Manhattan. Not in like the main part. Of Manhattan, Pretty flat. No. I can't recall. Uh, You'd have to go to really upper Manhattan for that sort of hill. That sort of a hill. And so uh, Kramer puts down the rickshaw for a moment and uh, disaster is going to strike. Yeah, it starts rolling down the hill. Yes. And uh, the man that that rickshaw ends up running into 
is our next guest on the podcast. Really, our first guest and only guest uh, since we talked to Spike Ferris a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Keeve, should we patch in Jonathan Penner? Yeah, let's get Penner on the line. We're very excited to have this person on the podcast with us that uh, in addition to being a survivor legend, as many of our listeners uh, know him uh, from that, uh, he also, of course, uh, in this Seinfeld episode. But Penner, you have been on like a uh, real hot streak lately. Of course, uh, The Bye Bye Man was uh, a hit movie back in uh, the uh, beginning of the year, back in January. And now... What's going on? You guys are uh, remaking King Kong? Uh, we are. Yes. What's that bell? Yes. That's that's, the, that's a, a, a Mazel Tov. That's Mazel Tov. An angel is happy. Um, an angel got his wings. Yes. Stacy and I are doing a TV version uh, of King Kong, not of the original King Kong story, but a continuation of the King Kong story. Um, modern day uh, show that we're doing with a, a company called I Am Global and a company called Mar Vista. Uh, and uh, we're super, super excited about it. We're meeting with very big directors and uh, maybe we'll get one of those men or women. And, and, and if not, then we'll just uh, go and produce it ourselves. Yeah, It's a very cool thing. Well, really exciting. And uh, congratulations on all that. And thank you for taking a couple of minutes out of your schedule to talk with us about uh, this uh, Seinfeld appearance from 1998, very specifically. And uh, we have recapped uh, the entire episode, your arc as Zach, the uh, very is a sad story of of Zach. Who, sad, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> My God, I mean, yes, I got to make out, but then, but then to be ignobly ended by first being a junkie, <laughs> and then going through rehab, and then to get so ignobly mur- killed or something by a rickshaw runaway rickshaw. Um, yeah, that was classic Seinfeld. Yeah, and 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 great great fun to do. <laughs> what do you think happened to Zach after the rickshaw? Did he die? Zach, I guess he died because they didn't ask him back. There weren't too many episodes left. Yeah. But uh, I, I always said, yeah, Zach got, got, but I guess he couldn't because he didn't go to jail. I mean, Mark, Michael Richards wound up in jail three or four episodes later, right? Mm-hmm. The final episode. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler so alert, was, Benner, But yeah. What's that? Spoiler I'm alert. Teasing. Yeah, sorry. Spoiler. sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> if you, if you followed the podcast this far, but haven't seen the final episode of Survivor. Yes. Penner just blew it for you. Now, now before we go any further, Rob, I got to ask: Are you going to imitate me on the podcast now, so I can hear it? No, you, you know I haven't even work? done that. In, uh, I mean, I guess well, that I could do some of your, of your lines. Yeah, you know, I didn't have that many lines. The lines got cut, most of them, um, uh, as the show was going. I mean, you know, I don't know how often you get people who have been on the show to come on and and, and talk. But, you know, as the week goes on of, of, of filming, things fall in and fall out. They, they, they love that incredible shot of, uh, of his uncle d- done up like right. De Niro in, in, in Cape Fear. You know, things like that came in. And, and there was a scene with me that wound up getting cut on Tuesday or Wednesday of the week that we were shooting. Uh, unfortunately, they just realized, like, they got to they gotta concentrate on their, on their leads. Yeah. Well, do you remember what the scene was, Penner? Yeah, it was a scene at the office with with Elaine and me 
And um, she saw me like making out with somebody. It was just even more horrifying, like the, the situation that she had stepped into. She thought she had gotten out of having to dance the way that she had the year before. So she picks me. And of course, it turns into an absolute living living hell. Oh, so it's this, is it you and Julia Louis-Dreyfus making out? That an extension of the party no, scene, you mean? No, 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 no. The party scene, there's that. But then at the office, like on top of that. Okay. Oh, so an, ex- an extension for when they open up the closet, you mean? E- exactly. It was some, some horrible situation for her. Um, it was incredible to work on, you know, obviously, because I got to work with all those people. And, you know, Jay's, I mean, I got this, I, I auditioned for it, but but they certainly knew knew my work. Um, the the Naked Truth shot on the same lot that Seinfeld shot on, um, and we used their Central Park set that they had built there in the middle of the in the middle of the lot. And then you know we saw each other all the time. So I went in in Redford and 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 got it very quickly. But you know Jason Alexander is my family. Jason mm. and I met on a movie, and his wife is is my wife Stacy's first cousin. They introduced me to Stacy, and and I have him and his wife Dana to thank for uh, twenty six years of a very happy marriage. Oh wow, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So you know, Jay and I are are, are close friends. We're cousins now by marriage, um, and uh, and he's thrilled that I you know that that, that I got to do one. Um, we didn't obviously work together on the episode, but we hung out when we were shooting. I hung out more with with Michael Richards because of that rickshaw gag, and they shut down an entire block of of downtown Los Angeles to shoot that gag. It was really incredible. They got us. Oh, they didn't do it on the lot. No, no, they didn't do it on the lot. I mean, I don't know. You know, I haven't seen it in a while. I don't, I don't remember how much of the street you see, but but it's very they, narrow. They say in the inside look because it would yeah. be so clearly not New York, and it would so clearly be L.A. That the shots you'll see are incredibly narrow. As I say, they 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 shut down an entire block outside the Ritz Carlton. I think it was the Ritz Carlton. They had a suite for us. He and I hung out for the afternoon while they were putting this thing together, and then and then you know we went out and shot it very very quickly. Um, you know, Jerry had a very specific way he wanted me to say, "This is the first day of the rest of my life," you know, and uh, and step off the street and get hit, and we did the hit a couple of times and. And and the rest uh, lives on in infamy. You know, I, I'm you know I'll tell you anything you want to know, but uh, it was it was a, a memorable week of work. I got to say. So, what was it like for you to come onto the set at that particular time that the show is going to wrap up in about a, you know a calendar month from when this is going to air? I'm not sure when you guys uh, shot this, but that, that what I mean, it's sort of you know at it the uh, you know uh, the height of its numbers, but it's also ending. Like, what what is that uh, attitude like? Well, everybody was. Um, incredibly kind, you know, they were all sort of looking at each other. I mean, you know, the, the, the guest cast, it was very interesting and different. There, there were sort of no real dressing rooms for anyone. There was a green room and I'm talking about everybody down to, you know, to Len Lesser and, 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 and these other folks that were on all the time, you know, were still essentially treated as, as guest cast. Um, why that was, I don't know, but, you know, we were all hanging out in the green room and, and they were like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing next month? You know, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, we'll find out. They were all a little bit stunned, I think. Um, you know that that this was coming down because for the for the uh, regular folks on the show, as it were, 
you know, this was the, an incredible situation and, and the best job they probably ever had and, and might ever have for, for Jerry and, and, and the other uh, leads. You know, this was, this was, he wanted to go out on top. He obviously, you know, had made a, a tremendous uh, impact and a tremendous amount of money and, and wanted to stop while, while, while it was, um, um, still fresh and, and, and fantastic. Um, uh, what Jay and, 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 uh, Michael Richards and, and Julia Louis Dreyfus, who is a huge Survivor fan, by the way, and wow. met her at a Survivor party. Yeah, she was thrilled. Um, and Brad Hall, her husband, they're huge fans. Um, you know, what they, what they made of Jerry sort of and, and, um, um, uh, uh, what's his name? A curb your enthusiasm, you know, saying, uh, yeah, it's time to stop guys. You know, they were like, really? Cause the, the numbers sure seem pretty great. And if we just stay for one more year, that's, you know, millions of dollars for each of us, honestly. And he's like, yeah, I think I've had enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so what, what the vibe was like though, for somebody like me, who was, you know, guest, guest star. Um, it was very uh, professional. They, they, you know, you rehearse, you do some block and shooting. We shot that scene on the street in the middle of the day, either on Wednesday or Thursday of that week, and then on Friday night, you you would tape the scenes that took place in the in the apartment and and things like that. And then they'd say to the audience, you know, earlier today we shot what happens next. Take a look at your monitor and laugh it up, folks. Laugh it up, you know. And they and they mm-hmm. show the the footage of whatever it was, me getting hit with the rickshaw and the audience would laugh. And then they'd say, that was great, guys. We're going to do it again and laugh like you haven't seen that already. Please laugh it up and roll monitors, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry would come out and do a minute or two of stand-up and, and you know, the audience, of course, was besides itself to be sitting there and watching the show, um, um, half of which taped live and half of which was pre-recorded. Um, all the stuff that, you know, takes place outside, of course, is, is, is pre-recorded for the episode. Yeah. During the week. Um, that's what I, yeah. Ask me more questions and I'll remember more things. We have a bet, Penner. Let's see if you could uh, remember the name of the actress you made out in the closet with. No. It was, uh, it was Leslie Robbins. I, I believe she worked on the set. She doesn't look like she was a professional actress. That's, hi, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> what if someone comes over oh. to you on the street and says, I made out with you once on television? You, you won't recognize Yeah, and, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if Leslie didn't remember who I was. That was <laughs> that's possible. That was, all, that was all very nice. You know, I mean, yes. that's one of the, one of the uh, uh, perks of being a, a, an actor is sometimes you get to uh, do that, and it's just professional, you know, courtesy. My wife always said, yeah, I should be able to. And I said, well, if you, you know, it, it was nothing personal, honey. I'm just reading the script and doing what they tell me to do. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's tough. It's hard work if you can get it. But sometimes you can you can get that job. <laughs> Uh, was Leslie. that was that you making the retching noises uh, in the scene where uh, Elaine is trying to uh, have you go cold turkey? Yes, I, I think I did that. Whether they used my retching or they brought in a stunt, a professional retcher, a professional retcher, <laughs> a professional retch. Uh, I'm not sure, but I, I certainly gave them my best retching. Uh, you know that I was capable of. Were you impressed with John O'Hurley's dancing at the uh, Peterman party? You know he was hilarious. I mean, the folks on that show are really funny. I remember him walking around just all week long trying to get those whatever they were. Uh, uh, what what country was he speaking in? He was talking um, Tugalog or something, right? He was doing mm-hmm. these yeah. popping sounds. Yeah, <laughs> he, he practiced that a lot. 
so that he could make it look, you know, effortless. Yeah, he was cool. He too was hanging around in the green room. You know, I mean, it was it was very interesting actually how they how they put it together. You also you mentioned uh, Len Lesser, Uncle Leo. Do you have any uh, a- any uh, interesting encounters with him? No, he kept to himself. You know, he read the paper. I mean, this was very professional, low key stuff, and and you know, everyone just was was super super pro. At this point, they were. They were an incredibly well-oiled machine, and you know, people would come in and they would go bingity bingity bing. Certainly, the four leads, uh, all the leads, you know, Wayne Knight, everybody were 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 extraordinarily funny and knew their characters inside and out. And you know, the character, you know, the actors were kind of the I don't know, it's not the right word, but like the protectors, the marshals of their own of their own characters, you know. And 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 the writers, you know, had those voices certainly of the leads so clearly in their minds that they could write for them uh really really effectively as one of the you know great things about the show was they had such a strong cast with such strong voices that the, that the writers who are you know absolute top of the game comedy uh, t- tv writers were able to you know uh, mix and match those voices like uh Comedy jazz, you know, like music. It was really a pleasure to watch. Keith, did you have anything else? No, I just want to thank uh, Penner for taking a few minutes of his day. I really appreciate it. It's fun to hear some uh, behind-the-scenes stories of the final days of Seinfeld. Yeah, you're welcome. It was it was a great thing. Amazingly, the checks still come. Wow, that's you nice. Know, I still, I mean, th- well, it's nice, and it's nice that Seinfeld is still playing. You know, once I, I can get a steak dinner every couple of months. Uh, oh wow! You know, no, no, it's great. I get a check, you know, hundred dollars or so every couple of months from the bookstore, and it reminds me of like how uh, uh, powerful and successful the show was, and and you know what a treat it was to be a part of the greatest sitcom in TV. One of them, certainly. Okay, you know, it was amazing. All right, well, uh, we'll have to call you up uh, when we do the Arrested Development uh, rewatch next. Oh, Maron, okay. <laughs> I'm ready. That's in four years from now, right? <laughs> Maybe five. Maybe five. All right, well, uh, hey, Rob, before we go, how's your wife and, how's your wife and kids? Oh, everybody's Everybody doing good? great. Yeah, everybody is uh, doing good. And uh, you know, it's been a uh, fun summer over here. And, um, you know, just uh, swimming and uh, driving me crazy. Right. That's their job. Yes. <laughs> That's their job. You'll, you'll, you'll miss it when, when they're out of the house, not driving. You crazy. Sure. Sure. But, uh, you know, something to look forward to also. There you go. <laughs> Guys, peace. On to the, what do you got? Four more episodes after this? Four more. That's about it. Yeah. That's it. Damn, what are you going to talk about? After well, that? we're going to we're going to watch Curb uh, at least for the fall. That that uh, it was very oh, fortuitous yeah. timing that Curb is coming back right when we're going to finish this. Right, Curb. You're on a first name basis. I like it. Yes, Curb. Yeah, we're all <laughs> we're all ready to go. Okay, right. and I'll watch Enthusiasm. Okay, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Good. All right, uh, Penner. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking some Thanks time so much uh, to talk to us. My pleasure, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Talk all to right, you take soon, care. All right? All right, Keith, there you have it. The great Jonathan Penner. Yeah, it was uh, it was like three years in the making. Very exciting to talk to Penner about his uh, pivotal role in this episode of Seinfeld. OK, uh, let's talk through the uh, the rest of the episode. Yeah. So, I mean, this this poor Zach uh, really yeah. did get a raw deal. I mean, yeah. oh, Peterman, and, and, talks know, it was in- so fresh. He could have really come back. Is he the most memorable character in the, the show? No. So maybe that's why he's not in the finale. But he has a pretty big case against the crew, too. Well, could have been in the finale. I, I think he has a bigger case against Peterman. I mean, he's working at Peterman. Peterman uh, sends him to Thailand. 
tells him all about how great heroin is and then gives him like the and phone where number where, where to get it. Yeah, that's insane. So I feel like that. He's really got a uh, a, a lawsuit against uh, Peterman. And then he, the, the guy cleans up and then just gets hit by a rickshaw. Like he really didn't do anything wrong. I don't think this was quite a week also, since it doesn't seem like a lot of time has passed. Right. A lot going on. OK, um, then uh, George is at the bookstore. He has a plan. He's going to steal another book and then return it to get the money back for the book they made him buy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a crazy plan because if their system's good enough to know that in different stores that this book has been flagged for a bathroom, wouldn't they know, hey, you didn't buy this here? Right. It's not like they're the only store that sells this book. Right. I mean that I mean, George has gone off the deep end at this point. I mean that uh, we, we might be able to make a case that Jerry was right to turn him in. Uh, Jerry mentions you defile one book, steal another, ask for your money back. And to you, that's even. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. OK, so Jerry talks to the manager of the bookstore and says, basically, look, my uncle Leo was caught shoplifting. And they said, look, we have to make an example out of somebody. Uh, and Jerry says, well, he was just an old man. Uh, old people steal. And so uh, the manager agrees is that's why we stopped carrying batteries. But we have to make an example of somebody. And so Jerry points out George, who's stealing like 15 books and says, that guy, swarm, swarm. Uh, I mean, the biggest rap move in the history of television happens right here. It's insane. Yeah. A real betrayal ends up uh, going on. Uh, not since Nina Myers uh, in the original season of 24. Oh, yeah. Have that's we, true. Have we seen such a betrayal? It's crazy. He's a sleeper cell, Jerry. It's nuts. Yes. Okay. Keeve. And that's the end of the episode. No tag. It's, again, this is weird. I don't know. I, I mean, it sounds like they cut the uh, a scene with Penner, but I don't know if they cut a lot more stuff, too. Uh, it's, the way he made it sound, they may have just like filmed a whole bunch and then took what they really needed. Yes. Okay. Well, what I would say at the end, if well, the problem is we've seen this before with like uh, with, with the kidney bean and Elaine feeding the the old guy and and the uh, the guy wouldn't leave. Yes. Um, if he lived, if Zach lived, I feel like the final scene would be her dealing with him again. Yes, like Elaine off the wagon or on the wagon, whichever one it is. That's good. I, I like that. So Elaine is now um, trying to. I mean, it's just, we've seen that so many uh, times. Yeah, that's before. why they don't do it. And I, you know, you just have to assume she didn't live. Yes. Well, I feel like that yeah. you could have seen her at his service. Uh, right. We've seen that before. That's why they didn't do it. But but yeah. you know, that's why they just kill him off. Okay. All right, Keeve. Uh, there you go. All right. So let's put the everybody into uh, our letter grades. Uh, what about Jerry here? Uh, his storyline with Uncle Leo. Uh, I think the idea of Leo stealing is funny. I hate the Jerry snitching, but it's still an interesting thing. So it's not a boring storyline. Uh, and also Jerry's dream and, and Newman coming in is funny. So I'll give it an A minus. Oh, boy. I mean, there's just not a lot of there there. I mean, it's, it's not. A lot, but, but it's over. It's not like he does nothing. It's just a little bit all over the map. Yeah, it's like Jerry observing peculiar behavior on the part of his friends and relatives. Uh, I'll give it a B. Okay. Fair not enough. very iconic. I Not super memorable. Uh, what about George with trying to uh, get rid of the bathroom book? George flagging the book is pretty iconic. There aren't a lot of other hysterical parts to the episode. I guess I'm trying to pull it off, pass it off on Elaine. Yeah. So I'll give this a B plus. Uh, B plus is fine uh, for that. Uh, what about what's going on with Elaine and uh, her experience with the aforementioned Zach? Um, I like this storyline, especially I like the callback in the first scene with the dancing. Uh, maybe there was a little bit more meat on the bone that we didn't see as Penner implied. So I'm going to give this a B. Yeah, 
I will give it a C plus again. Uh, not super memorable. You know, Lane ends up getting uh, caught up here with uh, this guy because she made out with him in the story. But um, it's a lot of uh, like Elaine just trying to get out of it. Like it's not a very active story for Elaine. That's true. From the point that she makes a mistake and then it's just then she's just dealing with uh, this experience at the office now. Fair point. Okay. Uh, then finally, what's going on with Kramer and Newman and the rickshaw? Well, I really like that first minute with, with, with Newman, with Kramer doing the usual Seinfeld cannon, but it's pretty funny. Uh, then buying the rickshaw is interesting. The stuff with the homeless people is kind of funny, if a little offensive. Um, I, you know, him going to Jerry's bedroom is funny. I'll give this an A minus. Yeah. I'm just not as high on this episode. Uh, well, I'm not that high. I just think it's all around like average. I think this is an all around average to slightly above average episode. Yeah. I'll say that the rickshaw stuff is uh, is a C. Uh, I mean, they get the rickshaw. You know, I like I like the idea of you know, they're going to have homeless people uh, work the rickshaw, but then you know we lose that thread pretty quickly. The homeless guy runs off with it, and then ultimately um, we end up with uh, just like searching for it and then rolling it down the hill, and then poor Zach ends up getting hit with it. So I'll I'll say it was a C. Okay. Uh, so my ranking overall, let's let's you've been on you know absolute like rocket fire recently. So let's mm-hmm. see what uh what you could come up with for this episode. Okay, um, I will say that you have it at uh one eleven. Wow, I know I was a little higher on it than that. To me, this is a very average episode. There's nothing in the episode that's really bad. Uh, the ending could be better, but I really like the beginning. Uh, every storyline to me is like an average, slightly above average storyline. So to me, this is the typical average Seinfeld episode. It's right in the middle at number 91. 91. What is the most iconic thing or moment from this episode? I think ultimately it's probably like uh, George flagging the book in the bathroom. That still gets referenced. Yeah, bathroom book. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Keeve, uh, let's talk about the bookstore mailbag. Yeah, let's do it. A lot of questions today. Okay, let's dive in. John DeSavera says, at the beginning of the episode, who was Kramer yelling out to Jerry's window and what were the repercussions? Do you think it was FDR again? That's not a bad idea. Like, what? how could you just get into that big of a fight from the window? Yeah, well, Kramer could do it. I mean, uh, unless you buy into the fact that it was a dream sequence. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. Ferriston will let us know. But yeah, FDR is definitely a big candidate for uh, who the fight was with. Okay. All right. What did Jared say? Uh, he wants to know, what do, we, what do we think about the old people shoplifting gag? I can't imagine this is a thing, and it feels very out of place for a more compass character, Helen. Okay. Keeve, you often uh, talk about uh, your parents, your grandfather on different podcasts. Uh, do you know, are the elderly shoplifting? I hope not. I really hope that they're not shoplifters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple similar questions, I guess. Let's just run through. So Patton NYC says Morty and Helen told Jerry it's OK to steal if it's something you need. But Uncle Leo was just stealing a book. What on earth could the book be to make it OK for Leo to steal? What if it's how to steal books or like how to steal stuff without getting caught? And Craig Van- from Vancouver backs up and says, old people do steal batteries. I've seen it all the time. Most of the time, they just need once. They open the package to get one. They leave the rest. I think they think the store must repackage it and resell it. But that's actually not what happens. Yeah, like eggs. I, I don't think so. Like, that's how yeah, it do you works. Ever, do you ever pull that egg move in the supermarket where you get one cracked one? So you start like trading between between egg cartons. Um, I think, you know, people sometimes will do that, like with like six packs and stuff like that at the uh, convenience store. 
Um, I will check the eggs, but I'll just get a new dozen. I won't like move eggs. Right, but sometimes like they're low on that, and you don't want to like ask them to go to the back and get more eggs or something. Yeah, no, I haven't done that move, but I tend to do my shopping first thing in the morning, Keith. Oh, so there's there's a lot of fresh eggs and yeah. nothing's cracked. I mean, that's yet. why I go. Boom, eight a.m. Trader Joe's. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's take a question from Kaya, who says, uh, "Which Survivor Seinfeld Seinfeld adjacent crossover was better, Penner in the bookstore?" Or Colby, originally supposed to be Ethan Zahn, uh, is the survivor from Curb. Uh, Keeve, I'm not sure necessarily uh, where that uh, came from. So here's... Hey, Corinne said it on her podcast, and she dated him for many years. Okay. Well, that uh, from what I understand, then uh, they had auditions for that for for that uh part oh, so maybe oh you know what I, maybe he auditioned that he tanked the audition maybe that was the story and she told, yes actually. and from what I, I and i remember i was like uh that I, I heard this from colby where one of the few times that i spent time with him and he was talking about the auditions and i think that maybe ethan was uh had auditioned but i think it was uh that they were also looking at lex and colby and uh it was at a point where they were just looking for like iconic survivor people and I think they went with Colby or maybe right. that he, or, or, or Colby had the best representation of the three. I think maybe uh, maybe that was the story from from Corinne, that maybe he was the most obvious one, but then he botched it or something. I'm not sure. I have no idea how Ethan did in his audition. I just know that uh, that there were like uh, the, an audition process for the right survivor. You didn't get a call, though. I did not. I did not. I was just coming off my season, so I'm not sure that they yeah. had... Well, that would have been the only time you would have gotten a call, to be Yes, fair. yes. Uh, I think they might have been doing the auditions like as my season was on. So Okay, so a few months later, it could have been you on Curb, and then we would have really been excited for these next few weeks. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, what was the best Penner? I mean, the, the Colby thing, with all due respect to Penner, who we just talked to, was probably more iconic than... Yeah, that's an iconic moment in the series, for sure. Yes, yes. Um, certainly a, a memorable moment. I don't know if not, like, uh, it's probably not one of the 20 greatest curb moments. No, 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 no. But it's one that when you mention, people will always remember. Yes, Survivor fans, certainly. Okay. Yes. Uh, what about Matt and Matt? Uh, so he says, instead of getting a rickshaw from Hong Kong, couldn't Kramer just ask Bob Sacamano for the rickshaw hookup, since he seems to have a hookup from everything? Or do you think Kramer was still bitter over the Willard debacle? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that Bob Sacamano, does he have a rickshaw guy? I mean, that seems very specific. I mean, he's got everything. Sacamano has got a hookup for literally everything. So I guarantee you could have gotten you a rickshaw by two o'clock. Okay. Lindsay wants to know, what are your feelings on smoothies? I basically only like them when you added enough stuff that tastes good to make them not even that healthy anymore. Uh, why? Who has a smoothie in this episode? You know what? I don't know. Who has a smoothie in this episode? <laughs> I'm trying to think what's there's probably a smoothie and we're blanking on it. Can you get one but in? I do have a take store? on smoothies. Yes. I just kind of put that in because I'm like, oh, I've got a smoothie anecdote. Mm -hmm. But now that I think about it, there is no smoothie in this episode. Yes. OK. So I don't do know got? what she's asking. About, what do you got? Unless this is a different episode. But when I was in, it's not even a good anecdote. I thought it was relevant to the episode. <laughs> when I was in Cancun, they have like a swim up bar and I'm not mm -hmm. a big drinker, but like we got smoothies every day and the smoothie in the pool is like, that's the peak of life. You're never going to do better than that. Mm -hmm. No, that's my story. Yeah. Okay. Like, smoothie. it's all downhill from now I'm in my mother-in-law's house. In the and pool. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference between, like, a smoothie and, like, uh, so if I, like, uh, like uh, take a banana and, uh, like, put it in the blender, is that a smoothie? Yeah. You could make your own smoothie at home. It doesn't like have to be, like, store-bought yeah. from a so, bar. I, no. So I do that with, like, um, 
Uh, I'll put like some like uh, the uh, the old uh, protein powder, Keev, uh, in there with the bananas. That counts. But it's got to be in the pool. It's oh, got to no. be like well, I, you need a pool, pool smoothie. Like when I was done with for the day swimming, and the smoothie guy came around, I jump I jump back into the pool to have the smoothie. Yeah. Um, Lindsay also wants to know what do you think is the best approach to picking up women at a bookstore? Is I mean, isn't this explored in the Forty Year Old Virgin? I think that that's uh, uh, one of the plot points, right? They tell him to go to the bookstore to meet women. I think then you could just like spark up conversation about like, oh, have you read this? Like, oh, yeah, I read that. that? You just lie and say you read the book. Also, like in a bigger bookstore, they might have very specific like niche uh, sections. So it's like, oh, you like 18th century Italian literature? Like, so do I. And that's a real connection. So maybe that's why the bookstore was good, like pre Tinder, where you could see people's interests. Like you could see spot interests by where they were in the bookstore. Totally. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Okay. All right, Keeve. What about Amir? Uh, so he says the opening sequence of this episode is the first we've seen Jerry get worked up about drinks and tables. Kramer's the first in the Seinfeld universe to not respect wood. Please keep this in mind for the Curb podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Respect and wood. Uh, how exactly do they physically make George buy the book? Yeah, we address this. But he, as he points out, getting banned for life is a better option than spending 100 bucks on the stupid book he doesn't want. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, Amir also points out the uh, make out like the uh, plane was going down might be foreshadowing for the finale. TBD. To be, uh, you know, that just to put a sharper point on what you said, like, no way it was foreshadowing. Uh, they, right. they they don't do foreshadowing. That's no, that, that, this is plus, not a show. Plus, where they like, wouldn't have not with the finale, which remember the secret. It was like a secret script that was completely guarded that the writers of this episode probably would not have seen. Right. At this point. You know, this is not like a thing where it's like, OK, well, we know we're going to get to this point in the end. So let's lay this trail of breadcrumbs all throughout the series. Uh, two more from here. Why is Jerry so offended at Uncle Leo's theft? He literally wrestled away a marble right from an old lady. That's obviously worse than Leo screwing over a big bookstore. That, Rob says that no. is true. No, no. Don't twist my words. Jerry stealing the marble rye from that woman is worse than Leo stealing the book that i'm not so sure right, right. you I, said that ratting the ratting isn't the worst part right i think that leo getting ratted out by jerry was uh worse than jerry stealing the marble ride from a stranger and lastly amir says peterman claims that he sent zach to thailand in search of low-cost whistles mm-hmm. any explanation in terms of how this is relevant to clothing <laughs> do they make shirts with whistles as decoration some kind of fancy urban referee shirt it's a good question right it's a crazy like you know whistles in thailand yes uh were whistles like was that code for something i don't know i don't know what would whistles be called maybe smack maybe maybe all right and finally chester uh chester says the prediction of the bookstore as a place to meet women did not age well as uh the uh timeless lothario alexander chester tells us (laughs) uh he knows where to meet women yes uh, Chester says that the rickshaws did age well. The bike rickshaw is now totally standard and common, not just in New York, but in Boston and other major American cities. OK, uh, it's just him bragging again that he went to Harvard, that he knows what Boston has. So Chester adds in as the daughter of someone who spoke a language <laughs> with clicks in it. What I, does that mean? <laughs> I got to say, John Hurley's click game is on fleek. Did you mess with his words? No, I did not. This is exactly what he sent in. As the daughter of someone who spoke a language with clicks in it, I I assume he's talking about Fern Chester, his mom. I mean, is did uh, Mrs. Chester tell him? Uh, We call her Fern. Um, I she must. I I mean, remember she's from South Africa, so it's possible she spoke. What did they call Tagalog? I don't know. 
or or another language that has clicks in it. Mm-hmm. But right, he said Sundor. Maybe he's just he's woke on the idea that you know post gender, and we don't care about that on this show. Okay. Um. But my bigger problem is that he says General Hurley's click game is on fleek. Chester, you can't say the words on fleek. <laughs> And then finally, Chester says, the end of the episode leaves a lot of unanswered legal questions. George gets arrested, and we know that Brentanos was looking to make an example of somebody. Yet, the next episode, George and Jerry are totally buddy-buddy again as they discuss Frogger. Why isn't George upset with Jerry for ratting him out? And why are there no consequences for Kramer and Newman seriously injuring or possibly killing Zach? Good question. I mean, we know that this is a show with no consequences, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We're 175 in at this point. They hold grudges against anybody that's ever wronged them. Oh, even in the slightest way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes. But I guess uh, for them, uh, for each other, then uh, they uh, can Jerry and George could forgive each other from week to week. Uh, Yeah. But again, right. We don't know. They don't. Kramer and Newman probably run away. Yeah. They didn't do any DNA testing on the. As far as, you know, Jerry ratting, like what's George going to do? Find other friends? Mm Mm-hmm. I guess so. Good point. All right. Uh, Keeve, what's coming up on the 32 fans podcast? Uh, So we've done about 18 uh, of the 32 teams podcast with fans of those teams. We've really been working, uh, burning the midnight oil or working at both ends or whatever that metaphor or something is. Um, The uh, yeah, the most, you know, check out the Cowboys with Jordan Parhar, the Chiefs with Cole Hogan, Mm -hmm. the uh, Saints with uh, listener Paul Elliott. Uh, We got a lot of fun ones. And uh, hopefully we'll do all 32 by the end of the uh, before the start of the NFL season. All right, Keith, what do you think of the hashtag this week? Uh, I've got the uh, like Newton, the tolerate Newton, the marriage mitzvah. What do you like? Uh, marriage mitzvah? No. Oh, yeah. Like Newton. I like. like I like the like Newton. Like Newton. OK. Yeah. All right. Um, Keith. Here we are. Only what? Now, uh, next week, we're not talking about the Frogger. We're saving that for New York. So what are we talking about next week on this podcast? So next week, send in your questions about the maid. The maid. Uh, yes, we are skipping ahead to the uh, the last sort of like traditional episode in the syndication run. You know, the one before the Puerto Rican Day Parade. We got Jerry hiring a maid that he ends up sleeping with. Elaine has a lot of answering uh, her messages on her answering machine. And George tries to get the nickname T-Bone, but ends up with the nickname Coco. 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 You're the monkey. (laughs) All right. So very excited for all that. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre uh, for the edit of this podcast and to Mike Moore, uh, who's been writing so many recaps for us over the years that uh, that he will uh, not be having carpal tunnel syndrome after this run ends in uh, just a couple of weeks. Keith, you getting chills? I'm not getting chills. I mean, listen, this is listen. This is the fourth straight year that I'm doing this podcast. Like I said last week, from uh, from my mother-in-law's house in Florida. I feel like I wouldn't say chills is the word. It's okay. It's okay for this to end. Okay. I'm. It's sad. I'm sure it'll be sad when it ends. But this ending maybe will bring out bigger and better things. Who knows? Bigger and better. All right, Kiva. Great stuff. Follow Akiva on Twitter. How are you doing on the Twitter followers? Are you up to 1100 yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I blew past eleven hundred. I am at uh thirteen seventeen. Thirteen seventy. Okay. There you go. Seventeen. Well thirteen seventeen. Well done. Maybe we'll get to thirteen seventy after this epic podcast is dropped. Yes. All right. Uh, great stuff. See you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. 